Everyone, welcome to 2024. We have a new year, new batch of Sonic comets to look at. But we're not doing what you think we're doing. No, we're not doing it because we announced it the last time you saw us. Folks, welcome to the very first episode of the Fleetway Sonic Experience. Now, why did I call it that? Because both me and Aaron were experiencing this for the first time. This is a completely blind read of Fleetway Sonic. Both of us have said before, we have some, you know, inklings of, you know, who's around and what's happening. The storylines, for the most part, we have no idea. We're going in completely blind, and I know this has been a massive request from our audience to look at these comics, and happy 2024, y'all. We are here for you and giving you the goods. We are going to be tackling this in a bit of a different way than we usually do with these comics. What we usually do is we read ahead like really far ahead. Not so. When we are setting up to do a session, we will only be reading the comics that we have presented in front of us. Yes, yes. We will not divulge any more than that. So with that being said, I have a little preamble for us to begin with before we really dive in there. I've got the ground rules for our show. I'm going to have a list of things that I want to hold ourselves to as we go on through the series of Sonic the comic. So to begin with, the first rule that I've come up with that is very obvious, as we said, we are going in blind, no spoilers. I do not want to know anything about what this series has forward. I want to be surprised and disappointed naturally. All right, guys, no spoilers. Rule number two, Sonic the comic does have a lot of other strips besides Sonic, like there's Shinobi and uh, Echo the Dolphin coming in later. But we're only going to be covering Sonic and the Sonic-related stories. If we are committing a sin, I apologize in advance, but for the sake of brevity, I think it's best for us just to stick with the Sonic stuff. The reason for this is twofold. Uh, one is mainly because um, the strips in question only last for a significant amount of time within the comic before we transition fully to the comic being mostly Sonic. And those comics are consistent, like very consistent. So, and they get a lot longer. So yeah, we, we are only covering the Sonic material. Thank God there are so many comics within this one book. Um, I don't want to cover all of them. I'd rather just cover the Sonic stuff. Number three, when we were reading IDW, we said we don't want to touch, you know, the Archie stuff, Archie Sonic in comparison and all that stuff because this is a new thing, yada yada. However, I think it would be a little bit more fair to compare it to Archie considering it's its contemporary. For the record, this issue, issue one, released in 1993. That is the same year as Archie Sonic started as well. So I think it's fair to sort of compare and contrast to see what the two books are doing, especially at that time. But with that being said, I will keep the comparisons light and general. I will do my best to avoid names and point fingers. All right, good, great. The Wrath of Kenneth, 
shall once again be a pun. Nah, I, I'm, I'm going to try and call the Ken shit. I know we laugh, haha, but I don't think there's a Kidna lore in this comic. I hope Maybe. not. I hope I not. Hope not. I hope not. Nah, but I, I mean, this is a very, very, very different feeling comic. You can already tell when you read it. Um, And, you know, I feel like that's going to be one of the big points of discussion we're going to have in this episode. It's like, so, like, why wasn't this the main comic? <laughs> All right. Now, with that being said, this is not a rule for us, but more a rule for you, dear listener. I know that there is, like, a handful of segments of the community, especially ones that do have a bigger love for Archie Sonic more than anything. They do kind of have a dislike for Fleetway for several reasons, mainly Sonic's characterization and writing. Ah, oh, God, it's so peak. So I'm going to tell you this. If that applies to you, I'm not going to tell you to go into this with an open mind. We are peeling back the curtain and we are observing what is in front of us. We are going to observe. We are not going to make judgment calls. We are not going to be extremely critical and harsh. We are observers into another realm that is foreign to us. Yes. To speak on that personally, though, I think that the comic just may be just full of cultural nuances that are just kind of lost to Americans, but we'll see. We'll see. I, I will warn everyone ahead of time. I hope you are prepared to be British because <laughs> holy fuck, this comic is British. You can tell that this shit was written by a bunch of fucking Brits because, oh my God, it's British. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What I'm going to say next, I'm saying it purely to temper expectations, okay? We do have a rule. We're not going to be looking at fan content because of the unofficial nature. So with that being said, when this series ends, we won't be looking at Sonic the Comic Online. However, we do know it was endorsed by Nigel Kitching. It is, has his blessing as a continuation of the canon. So I am not giving it a hard no. Maybe we'll look at it in the future for her as a special. Maybe a one-off every year. I don't know. We'll have to see how we feel coming out of this. But I will say, when we end the series, I will look at the few online stories that actually were written by Nigel Kitching. Since he was the one pen to paper and i will consider that as part of his canon at the very least yeah great hi i think that's a that's a fair compromise yeah i have nothing against sonic the comic online as well but it's definitely its own thing uh which is okay it's just like the uh, fan-made archie continuations and stuff like that it's 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 all their own thing our final note not a rule but something to keep in mind i want us to note something here personally having grown up with archie sonic I, you know, have a strong fondness for it, and as a result, I have some minor frustrations with Sega sweeping it, its canon, and its characters all under the rug and to just forget about it. But keep this in mind, Fleetway Sonic was literally forgotten about. I want to go into this with that in the back of my head and just see, okay, how do I feel about this? How do I think about this? You know, what if I was like growing up and these were the comics that I had in my childhood? That's the mindset I want to go into this. And I suspect my feelings toward it may not necessarily be as strong as with Archie, but it's going to be strong in its own way. And that's how I'm going to approach the series as we begin with its first issue, Sonic the Comic, issue number one. Okay. We've got to, of course, introduce the people who graced their presence with the story. Alan McKenzie is the writer, and Anthony Williams is the artist. 
So with McKinsey, he is most known for his work at Marvel UK. He worked as an editor for the comic Starburst Cinema and Doctor Who Monthly. Specifically with Fleetway, he wrote and edited for 2000 AD. And for Anthony Williams, the artist, he also worked at Marvel UK doing the art for the real Ghostbusters, Transformers, and Judge Dredd. But for his art in particular... Looking through it for this first issue, it kind of seems like to me he redrew a lot of key art from Sonic 1 and 2. And I don't know what to think about that. You'll, you'll, you'll see when we get a little deeper into this episode. Yeah, we have some opinions about the art as well in their own respects. Before we begin, the timeline for the Sonic the Comic canon, it takes up right after the end of Sonic 2. So keep that in mind. We open on the Green Hill Zone on Planet Mobius. We see Sonic quickly rolling into a bad Nick freeing the little animal inside, and it thanks Sonic for its freedom, how lovely. Elsewhere, Dr. Robotnik has been watching Sonic from a monitor, saying he finds the situation a little exasperating, but I, Dr. Robotnik, genius extraordinaire, have a plan to fix that meddling hedgehog for good, not to mention conquer the world. Yeah, Eggman has got egg puns in here, which is very, that's kind of interesting how they stick with Robotnik, but keep the egg motif. He's, he's a giant egg shape. You ever, you ever hear a Dizzy? Dizzy is an egg mascot platformer for like, 16 and like 8-bit computers this feels right at home they love their fucking eggs they sure <laughs> those do they, those brits sure do love them robotnik boasts about how his new invention will crush sonic into a million little hedgehog nuggets and will pollute mobius for a thousand years powered in by pulling in the power rings this engine of destruction is unstoppable and as he says exactly on time comes in the blue little speedball. Sonic's revving up, thinking how he heard Robotnik's machine, and is ready to put a stop to it. Robotnik sends out his Badnik army to delay Sonic and let the machine reach full power, and he remarks, I gotta be careful, some of his best friends are powering these Badniks. Sonic's breaking open the Badniks, the little Mobini call out to Sonic and try to tell him, hey, it's a, it's a trap, Sonic, the Robotnik's machine's gonna eat you up, you better be careful. And of course, Sonic takes that not as a warning, but more so as a challenge hasn't reckoned with the world's fastest hedgehog until suddenly the ground sinks under him with at the same time buzz bombers attacking from the air and he uses his momentum to roll down the slope launch himself up toward the badniks take him out one by one sonic is about to land face first into a spike trap there's no way to avoid it till a badnik hovering above clashes with sonic he destroys it and bounces off and grabs the animal inside. A pig who he actually calls by the name Porker Lewis. How'd you get into trouble again? Porker Lewis is going to be one of the many reoccurring characters, funnily enough. What's interesting, and this is something that like, I feel like we should stop for a second and talk about. So the animals, the Mobians, are just, yeah, they, they're characters. They're full-blown characters in this comic. Here's our first comparison to come in for. In Archie, there were distinctions between the Mobini and the Mobians. In Fleetway, they're basically one and the same. Sonic's just bigger and taller than the rest of them. Yeah, to emphasize the difference. So yeah, the um, the animals, the animals that, that get freed from the, the robots are all Sonic's friends. And I'm going to say this till the end of the issue. I, ha I have something I want to talk about here. Okay. So with Porker Lewis in tow, Sonic's like, dude, how do you keep getting into trouble like this? You got to be more careful. Porker Lewis, as Sonic runs off, does the whole get a load of this guy cam saying, hey, this guy's my hero, eh? Get a load of him. After speeding his way through Green Hill, Sonic, of course, comes across Robotnik's factory. As Robotnik boasts, it's game over for you and your precious rings. Neutrino accelerator dead ahead. And with no time for a subtlety, Sonic gives the super spin attack, burrows through the machine with the force of a cannonball. 
The machine, sliced and diced, destroyed effortlessly. Robotnik is molding about how Sonic has no respect for property, but I got an even bigger surprise for him in store. As the rings reign and return to their rightful place, all the animals celebrate Sonic's victory, but Sonic doesn't have time to stick around. I haven't heard from Tails in days. I got a feeling he's in big trouble. See, so you gotta go by. The animals wave him goodbye, though he says Sonic never really sticks around for the party. And that's the end of this story for issue one. So, like, can we just talk about how this is, like... 15 million times more in line with what you would expect from a Sonic comic. Uh-oh. Oh, we're talking about this. So, folks, that's the biggest distinction with the start of Archie and the start of Fleetway. Archie, as we know, was spun off from Sad AM, which itself was a radical division from the games to begin with. This... We're going to see it does have some touches of Sad AM in here and there, but it's way more in line with the games to start off with. And this is a benefit, I think. I think this is the thing I immediately like the most. This is a comic that uses the game's canon as its base. And that means that a lot of the game's canon is interwoven in a much more natural way. But that doesn't mean that it doesn't use its own original ideas, which I like. And I like that this is sort of the vibe they want to go with. And I think that for a Sonic comic, this feels a lot more in line with what kids would expect. That isn't to shit talk Archie. That's just talking about the nature of the series itself. This is a fine first issue. It is set up. It is giving you an idea of Sonic's character. He's rad. He's cool. He's cocky. He's confident. The usual stuff. The art is... Oh man, some of these issues have really bad art, dude. Like, unacceptable even for the time, man. Like, it really feels like they just turned this shit out. It's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's a little insane. It does get better. Stick around, but... Yeesh, it does get rough. I mean, hey, I guess uh, we can put this in the uh, the similarity circle in the Venn diagram that is Fleetway and Archie Sonic. You know, I don't think anything will ever match the, uh, the monstrosities in some of those <laughs> issues. But this next one, issue two, is a close fucking second. Yee-haw. All right, so issue two of Sonic the Comic, we have our new pair, Mark Miller as the writer, the artist Woodrow Phoenix. Now, Mark Miller, if you're a big comics head, that's a name that you will be shocked to hear because this dude has the most insane career you can expect. Him working at Fleetway was like the start of it because after Sonic the Comic would end, he went on to work at both Marvel and DC and wrote a lot of their most iconic storylines. Such as DC's Superman Red Sun, Marvel's Civil War, and Old Man Logan. No way that motherfucker wrote Civil War. The most controversial shit in the entire world. Oh my lord. Yeah, this dude, uh, I I was surprised to see this guy. Although in retrospect, I kind of am not too surprised considering that we had the likes of like jim valentino and ron lim work on archie sonic so like why does this blue character attract so many people like i don't get it like what is it with this fuck and just coalescing all these very popular artists around him and like creators Ugh, i don't even know man yeah what's up with this but uh woodrow phoenix so uh he's more known for his original works he created a series called rumble strip which was a social commentary on society's over dependence on cars um He's right, but that's very British what I just said. 
extremely British, the most British. And unfortunately, his art in this issue... So, um, listen, man, I, 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 I... I yeah, no, this art, um, dude, did they make this shit in an afternoon or less? Because, oh, oh my god. Yeah, this they... is, this is kind of rough. Kind of rough to say nonetheless. But we begin. Another part of Green Hill Zone, Sonic shouting for Tails. Whole place seems abandoned, though. Although he ends up finding a rabbit in a bush kind of begging for his life. But Sonic's like, yo, 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 I'm not gonna hurt you. I just got back from the Marble Zone. I got something for Tails. But the rabbit says, Tails is not here anymore. No one is, for that matter. But Sonic's like, what are you talking about, man? Tails loves this place. He says, yeah, but Tails was taken. Robotnik showed up one day and just kidnapped everyone. I'm the last one left. It's like, oh, okay, man, look, it's gonna be cool. It's all gonna be okay. He sits down, takes his bag that he's been having, and puts some traction soles on his shoes. And the rabbit apparently doesn't seem to know who he is, as our boy Sonic just puts on some shades. He's like, ah, must be new here. Name's Sonic. I sort things out. And as questionable as the art is, this panel does kind of go a little hard, I'm not gonna lie. I also have to point out, um, first British moment of many, uh, Sonic calls his shoes trainers. That, that's a cultural moment, definitely. Also, shoutouts to the scene of the bunny crying. Dog, I swear to God, I've seen this shit on DeviantArt somewhere. Ugh. Sonic decides to run off at super speed. From above, we see chrome-plated buzz bombers looking at Sonic below commenting how they thought they wiped out all the awful little creatures. Oh, I got an idea. Let's kill it. Sonic dodges the incoming fire as a chomper comments that Sonic's back. So says, yeah, you bet I'm back, bug eyes. Back with a bad attitude. And chain jumps the badniks until reaching the buzz bomber at the end. He barrels his way through more badniks, freeing more animals along the way. And Sonic has a good idea where Tails is after all this. We next see Robotnik telling a roboticized Tails to look out for Sonic. You think you can catch him? Well, that stupid hedgehog lays a figure on you. He's history. I want to comment on this, though. Weirdly enough, the roboticized design of Tails here looks extremely similar to how he was designed in, like, Sonic Lost World as he was roboticized. That has they, to be a coincidence, they, yeah, right? Like, has, I don't... It, it, yeah, it's, it's either a coincidence or they just, you know... Or it's like, there's no way they'll recognize this. Let's yoink it. Yeah, exactly. Except for, like, the, the people who grew up with that shit. So Sonic turns the corner of a mountainside, shouting for Robotnik to give his buddy back. But Tails arrives and jump rolls into Sonic, knocking him out of the air. As he's down, Tails says how he hated being left behind in the Green Hill Zone while you played the big hero. But Sonic's like, I don't understand, man. I thought you loved this place. But Robotnik comes in from behind with the Wrecking Ball attachment taking out both the rock formation there behind, along with Sonic himself. Sonic's just getting owned, as Robotnik boasts is how he's going to be doing this with all of Mobius. No more sickeningly cute creatures full of goodness, just a planet that'll be all mine. And Tails is just kind of watching this happen, and he's getting, like, clarity back in his mind that breaks through his programming. No, wait, this is wrong. Sonic's my pal. And just before Sonic is about to be crushed with the Wrecking Ball, Tails barrels into the Eggmobile with enough force to break off the roboticized parts. And Tails just lands next to Sonic. He's fine, it's just the exoskeleton took most of the blast. Fortunately, Robotnik uh, got away, says he's able to cope with one of the little creeps, but two. I'd rather watch a whole episode of El Dorado. I don't know what this is referencing, and I don't want to know. I'm going to move on. Uh, there are no words. Also, live Tails reaction. Uh, we, 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 have a, we have an image here that feels uh, very on the nose. Live Tails reaction. <laughs> Sonic rips Tails. Well, I left you alone for five minutes and you turn into an evil robot. Don't rub it in. I feel bad about attacking you. 
well, there's no Badnik that can beat me yet, even if these trainer shoes couldn't keep up. But I don't need special shoes. The power in me is awesome enough as it is. Come on, Tails. Let's get you back home before you cause any more trouble. And that's the end of this story in issue two. This is a recurring theme throughout most of these early stories. Nothing really happens. We don't have much to say. I mean, hey, to introduce Tails, yeah, succeeds. Yeah, I mean, again, it feels way more in line with what you would expect from from a from a Sonic comic. It just feels very much like the games. They're fighting as Robotnik and they're freeing Badniks. Very simple shit. So for issue three, Mark Miller once again wrote, and a new artist by the name of Casanovas. His full name is Jose Casanovas. He primarily worked in the usual UK comic circuit, being for 2000 AD, Judge Dredd, and Phantom. Nothing really to write home about, just kind of bare bones as far as things are concerned. I am going to make a comment that I don't think you're going to be able to unsee. All right. All of his characters are drawn with Pender's mouth. The planes crash into the towers again. Like, no, like, I'm dead serious. I I, I know, and it's like, oh, God, oh, geez, oh, man. The proportions are, like, vaguely Pender's-esque, too. Okay, let's just move on before I start crying. Yes, go, 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 go. We open on the Marble Zone. Badniks have surrounded a squirrel by the name of Tufty. He's begging for his life, and he's wearing shoes that look a lot like Sonic's. And they're about to crush him to death with one of Robotnik's wrecking balls. They don't want to hear any excuses from him. We only want to hear your last words, kid. Meanwhile, in the Green Hill Zone, Sonic is just listening to his Walkman, having a drink. This is more a 90s moment than a British moment, but I digress. Tails is trying to get his attention by shouting, and he can't get it, so he has to do something drastic. I believe the modern equivalent of this is, oh my god, Squidward, you have your AirPods and he can't hear the truck. (laughs) (laughs) Tails decides to kick Sonic's Walkman. What the fuck, Tails? What a dick move. (laughs) As I watch it, you're playing with fire, kid. Sonic, Tough T's gone missing. His sister, Sally Acorn, is here, and she's very upset. Okay, context. Sally Acorn's name was ribbed in Archie from the official description of the uh, Mobians uh, that you would free in Sonic 1, 2, and 3. So yeah, this was a ribbed name. This means this character has no relation. But yes, her name is also Sally Acorn, but it is not the Sally Acorn that we all know. Hashtag not my Sally. Why would you, why? Why would you say that? Because I have brain worms. Yeah, I know you have brain worms, motherfucker. I've I've never seen a guy cope so hard about, guys, Archie's coming back. It's coming back this time, guys. It's happening, I swear. IDW 75, it's gonna happen. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the, the Pepe uh, inhaling the copium and we've gone from c- c- like super crossed out, hyper crossed out, omega copium. There we go. There That's we go. go. There we go. <clears throat> anyway. In three years and three years until the 10 year anniversary that comic ended, by the way. Copium. You'll never co- you stop coping. It'll never happen. <laughs> anyway, Sally here is in distress. Her brother Tufty found an old pair of Sonic Power sneakers and went off to fight Robotnik himself. So he wants to be a hero, just like Sonic. So I think so. Well, my my old sneakers should have some old, like, remaining power left, but, like, ah, it won't last for too long. Little last long enough for Tuffy to find trouble, though. So before Tails can even ask what Sonic will do, takes off at max speed. He's going down Green Hill, grazing past every animal on the way, and picking rings up along says he could use the energy. Sonic goes into a warp ring, thinking he's going to get a shortcut into the marble zone, but got a bit too many rings and found himself in the special zone instead. Wow, look at that. Game callouts. I'm so shocked, guys. Like, it what? Feels, I can't believe... It, it, th- that's that's what's crazy. It, like, it really just feels like an extension of the games, and that's wild. 
Meanwhile, at the Marble Zone, Tufty is begging to not be thrown into the lava, but the Badniks have another idea. We're gonna roboticize you and turn you into a fucking Badnik, dick. Tufty is just able to free himself and run away, but he can't control the super speed and face plants into a wall. Cornered again, they got the roboticizer ready, but the Badniks feel a rumble underneath them. And of course, it's Sonic breaking through a wall, busting Badniks left, right, and center. One Badnik is about to escape, commenting he'd rather swim in lava than be caught by Sonic, but he quickly intercepts. To their surprise, they are right under a spike crusher with little time to react, causing Tufty to act fast and use the super speed to rush in and push Sonic and the Badnik out of the way of the crusher. And Tufty is just like, oh man, I, 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 I saved, I saved Sonic's life. And he's getting a real big head about himself. He's a real hero. But Sonic just doesn't really give him much credit. Don't get all gushy. As uh, he punches the motobug out and frees the little rabbit inside. Back in the green hill zone. Tails, we see him comforting Sally as Sonic arrives back with Tufty. Siblings hug it out. Tufty's bragging how he saved Sonic's life. And that reminds him. He lifts Tufty up by the legs and takes the sneakers back. Don't mess things with only that only work for me. There's only one. Sonic the Hedgehog. And then there's a big laugh. Ha <laughs> ha funny and that's the end of issue three you know aside from the art oh, by the way most of the art is fine it's just I, I don't like the way the characters are drawn yeah this is fine it's just another fine comic this feels very in line with the games um the one thing that we do need to reference is that yes these do have reduced page count sonic the comic was structured in such a way that there are three comics in every one of these issues so eight pages are dedicated to a sonic comic eight to another and then eight to another right it works for what they're presenting and as we go on we're going to see it become a lot more streamlined to what the target audience really wants but before we do move on i want to note something here i am both fascinated and impressed with the fact that the writers of sonic the comic have made the connection that roboticization is supposed to be analogous to the animals powering the badniks in the games that's something that even to this day not a lot of fans make that connection of i'm kind of stuck to that a little bit honestly iq they said how do how do thing run and you're like animal and robot the the animal run the robot and you're like okay okay i guess now let's move on to sonic the comic number four our first appearance by the beloved writer nigel kitching we talked about him when we did the 900 special for idw i'm not going to repeat it but very happy to see him here so early on. And with the art done by one Ed Hilliar. He is much better known by his pseudonym Ilya. He is known for a lot more of his original works such as Skid Marks and End of the Century Club. He also was the editor for the um, best book of new manga in the mid-2000s and was the illustrator for Manga Shakespeare King Lear. I did not expect that at all. I have no words. That sounds so fucked up and cursed. <laughs> yeah, you want to know something else cursed? Being reminded that there's a, such a thing as manga Shakespeare also remind me of the fact that there's such a thing as called manga classics, which is taking classic literature and turning it into like manga style presentation. It is very I'd, I'd cursed. Kill, I'd, kill, I'd kill myself. I'd simply kill myself. Yeah, thank God I didn't make it that far in my teaching career to try and even think about assigning that. Anyway, I don't want to talk about bad stuff. Let's talk about this. We open on the emerald hill zone we see a dog and a skunk hanging around kind of looking for sonic and they find them as it appears he's dismantling a checkpoint uh they're freaked out and they make a break for it on a clearer look to our perspective this sonic is very much clearly like a mecha sonic looking badnik although i think it's meant to be more like a pseudo sonic less than a mecha sonic there's a lot of robot sonics in this series isn't there god damn 
Yeah, this is a uh, hallmark of this series, if there ever was one. Um, this is one of the few things we do know, is that the Metal Sonic concept gets expanded and explored a lot here. But we will cross that bridge when we get to it. So, we then see Tails chasing after Sonic, begging him to slow down. I got something important for you to know. Make it quick, Tails. I got places to go. Some people saw you destroying the gateways to the special zone. I know it's not true, but you know how people are. And Sonic just kind of gives him the hand saying, Hey, don't hassle me, kid. I'll take care of it. We then once again see the dog and skunk once again saying what they saw did look a lot bigger than Sonic. He's the only other thing with that much spikes though, but like, uh, they end up seeing another badnik. They see two of them actually chasing after them and are both trapped in both of its tendrils. After holding them in and sucking them in, organic batteries successfully installed, proceeding to rendezvous. Sonic and Tails then find where that star post was ripped off. Tails said whatever it did has to be miles away by now. From behind, this Mecha Sonic breaks through the wall, leading Sonic to charge into it head first. Stay there, kid. Keep out of my way. Sonic takes the hit head first, as left kind of dazed with Mecha here untouched. Tails begins to take action, with Mecha jumping up and curling into a spike ball right above Sonic to drop. Mecha releases its spike all around, just barely grazing Sonic, as Tails leaps and hits Sonic right as he was about on the path to hit Mecha. Sonic's so like, dude, what the fuck? Nice going, Pixel Brain. That's, that's his <laughs> insult for Tails. Thank you, Nigel Kitching. If you have not felt it already, this Sonic is a very different character to the Sonic we're used to. He sure is, isn't he? But like I said, we are observing for now. The two uh, land on the ground entangled in each other as tendrils come from Mecha to grab Sonic, trapping him in the shell. Organic battery successfully installed. Tails is determined to fix his mistake, but he hesitates when he sees himself surrounded. But a voice calls to him not to worry. I haven't forgotten when you last escaped me. We then see now a Mecha Robotnik with a Mecha Tails beside him. He says the spike ball will be much more useful like this. Need all the help you can collecting these star posts. Tails asks, well, why do you need them? He says, well, the special zone is my new base of operations. I don't want uninvited guests. Since the star posts are the only way in, I thought I should make sure I exterminated them all. As suddenly, Mechasonic grabs hold of Robotnik's mustache. You didn't think this tin overcoat would be enough to control me, did you? Yeah, yeah, I, I did, actually. Release everyone now, or would you rather see what happens when I try a supersonic spin while I'm holding your mustache? Even your fancy metal suit won't save you, egg breath. Immediately, he gives in. Everyone's freed from the badniks, including Sodnik. Robotnik's like, eh, I'll get you for this, you blue pin cursion. Temper, temper, egghead. Robotnik flies away with his little jet boots, warning Sonic that, you know, he's got big plans. Sonic's like, hey, Bo, come on. Name the time, name the place, I'll be ready for you. That's the end of issue four here. We've read the first four issues now. I will say it like this. I'm engaged enough for myself. It's got a good pace. Writing is pretty solid. And honestly, if you were a kid in this era and you picked this up from a newsstand, I think you would be satisfied. It gives you what you would expect from a Sonic the Hedgehog comic, definitely. Yeah, this feels a lot more in line with what, if you were a kid, you'd feel pretty comfortable reading. I don't really have much to say because there really isn't much to say. These feel like Sonic stories. They feel in line with the 90s canon and the games. There's really not much to talk about here. Uh, that being said, it's fine. And you know what? That's okay. Nothing unremarkable, nothing incredible, and I'm fine with that. But, but, but we do have to talk about this next issue because, oh my lord, what happened here? <laughs>
Sonic the Comic number five, Miller and Phoenix are a creative team. On his morning workout, Tails clocking in, seeing Sonic to see if he's run at the speed of sound, but he's only clocking in at 750 miles per hour. I will say, a little weird that since this is a British comic, they're not using the metric system, but I say the America Imperial uh, culture wins once again. Dude, what is this art? I don't like it. This art? No, but like, but like, no, 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 no. Like, we need to stop. Archie at its worst never had art this bad. And that's saying something. This shit looks like it was drawn by a 13-year-old. That's rough. That's rough saying it. And I'm look, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I don't know what the standards were, man. I mean, knowing Archie, the standards were like next to nothing as far as Sega was concerned. And I mean, we're dealing with Sega of Europe now. Perhaps they're just like, it's got Sonic on it. Cool, print it. Well, the thing is, is that you look at the other comics in this issue, and I'm just using this as a comparison because I feel like it's uh, apt. The amount of detail and care that went into them is astronomically higher. There is so much more detail. And then you look at the Sonic comic and it really does look like a 13 year old drew it. What's going on here, man? What are we what are we doing? Like like look, this is issue 5. I'm not trying to be too mean, but like bro, when you see shit like this, you got to say something. <laughs> yeah. I understand. And you're right. You're right. But uh we now see Sonic showering off. He says he's got to be out of shape. Got to keep working at it. Got to be the best there is. Uh Sonic is blow-drying his spikes, which tells says you're just being vain, but Sonic corrects saying, "Ah, you mean beautiful, right, buddy? Sonic starts his protein-dense breakfast, which is just a picnic table full of burgers and hot dogs. As suddenly, some appendages sprout from the ground and snare tails. Badniks drag him underground and just start to cart him away. To the surprise of both Sonic and all the other animals nearby, the Badniks tell Tails that right now you're kind of in the labyrinth zone. We've been digging out around here for the past few months, and upon mouthing off, Tails is quickly gassed to sleep. When he wakes up, He'll be a robot just like us. Sonic and all the other animals, namely namely Sally as well, follow Tails. So she's scared to get lost in the labyrinth, but Sonic replies, don't be such a girly Sally. Don't be scared when you got me to take care of you. Okay, not- so Son- okay, so Sonic is not only an asshole, but he's also a misogynist. Based. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's more of a 90s moment, right? Is is this more or less misogynistic than Archie Sonic? This is more in your face. A lot of the misogyny in Archie Sonic was way more subtle. I don't know if we can say that considering how much misogyny took place at the hands of Max. Okay, that's a different story. <laughs> listen, listen, you can't sit and tell me that like King Max was not the most misogynistic, chauvinistic pig you've ever seen in your entire life. For that matter, I'd just like to remind everyone that he literally tells his daughter to fuck off when she tries to suggest that uh, she do anything that he doesn't want. And then, you know... He has a boomer meltdown later in the series when he can't be king anymore. Yeah, so let's see if it gets any worse than this, folks. They all barely dodge both the spike ball and arrow trap, but Sonic determined to keep going. The arachnic badnik is ready to roboticize Tails, even having the old suit ready to install, but just as Sonic catches up to the badniks, he catches their attention. Sonic takes out two of the badniks and when trying to take out the arachnids, saying, ah, no, there's no point in trying to do anything with me. I'm pure badnik, which... I suppose means he's not powered by an animal. Upon nowhere, though, a wave of water sweeps through the corridors and floods the room, waking up Tails in the process. Uh, Sonic and Tails get back together in this moment, and Sonic's course of action is to take Tails' mech suit, release the oil from the suit into the water as the arachnid skates on top of it. Sonic then uses the suit's flamethrower to set the oil on fire, 
and burn the robot to death. Anyway, we jump back to above ground. They're eating breakfast and Sonic starts second course of 100 burgers and hot dogs, which Tails thinks is gross. So look, I don't know what I expected from this fucking comic, but Fleetway Sonic being a polluter arsonist was not on the fucking list, that's for sure. I, 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 um, this is, this is a very different Sonic. (laughs) I mean, it's in line with what British people do, so you know. (laughs) It's true, folks. Have you seen the River Thames? It's disgusting. Sonic the Comic number six, Nigel Kitchen writing, and a new artist, Farron Rodriguez. This guy actually is pretty interesting. He's got an interesting career. His first work as an artist was for the Education Department of Barcelona Zoo, doing scientific illustrations for the various animals. Sonic the Comic was his first venture into comic book art and would contribute to various artistic industries as a whole, including Disney, Pixar, DC, and Nickelodeon. Something I can say right off the bat, this guy's style is very much trying to mimic the uh, art of the Japanese Genesis games, and I honestly have to applaud him. I think it's a nice fit. It's very easy on the eyes. The art is not the greatest, but it's cute, and it's clear that he looked at the sprite art to get a reference for what he wanted to draw. Yeah, he's putting in effort, guys. You hear that? We call that effort. Yeah, that's crazy, considering the comic we just read where the art was literally looked like it drawn like a fucking 13-year-old. But meanwhile, this comic looks way cleaner. We open in what is known as the former lab of Dr. Kentobor has being repurposed into Sonic's hideout. Tails was told that something happened to Kentobor that turned him into Robotnik as they are seeing a hologram of Kentobor in front of them. Sonic's just like, this is just a computer system. We got something else going on here. Which turns out the abandoned Death Egg is currently on a crash course to the middle of Emerald Hill Zone. So they move to the hangars and take the tornado out to the Wing Fortress. Tails questions why Wing Fortress, but doesn't really fight it. They start to fly into its airspace, and Sonic hops off to take the fortress on. Badniks are still active, surprisingly, since Robotnik abandoned the place after the events of Sonic 2, but he comes near the command center, and the defenses turn on automatically and activates the boss room. Tails ends up finding a place to land the plane right as the laser cannon is about to fire, but Sonic handles it just as Tails finds a way in. Uh, Sonic kind of chastises Tails a little bit for following him, but, you know, you're already here, you may as well tag along. And they find a spaceship all the way up to the Death Egg. Think we could have gone to space in a biplane? Really? They break through the atmosphere as Tails explains they see the Death Egg. Tails, what is it with you and stating the blatantly obvious? <laughs> Once inside, Sonic and Tails come across a very damaged Silver Sonic, just kind of barely hanging on as a security mechanism. And because of that, Sonic's able to take it on one hit. But the Death Egg is about to enter the planet's atmosphere now. Quickly in the command room, Sonic says he has to manually steer it away from Emerald Hill now. So Sonic tells Tails, take the escape pod. Yeah, there's only one, just take it. Sonic ends up diving it into the ocean, Tails seeing inside the pod Sonic must have sacrificed himself. But Sonic, we see him riding on top of the pod, is like, oh, come on, you really think so? Tells us surprised to see him alive, but Sonic's just like, you're you're still stating the obvious, I see. As they parachute down, Sonic comments, when we get back, they're probably going to make like a whole fuss about it, right? Big party and stuff like that. Well, we don't have to if you don't want to, Sonic. Oh no, or what? Come on. Yeah, no, of course I want it. Come on. Nice little end to the story. Uh, it, again, these are short, sweet, to the point. There's really not a lot to talk about um, with this issue. It's fine. Um, Sonic is continuing to be kind of a prick. To everyone and everything. However, our next issue has a lot to talk about for a variety of reasons. This is also the introduction of Sonic the Comic's primary artist. The one who is most associated with the comic. 
That is correct. Our first appearance by Richard Elson. So Richard Elson's art style, as we said, the most iconic of Sonic the Comics. His work is definitely what people associate with the book. And together with Nigel Kitching, who also wrote this issue for the record, they are definitely Sonic the Comics dream team, much akin to Ian Flynn and Tracy Yardley being Archie Sonic's dream team as well. There is a lot to say about Elson's art style, but it is uniquely him. There is detail. There is a strong use of oranges to contrast the blue. And that's something that I really like about this. He really goes for a wide palette of colors. I think this is one of the reasons that I really like Elson's art style. The colors feel very defined and accentuated, so it creates a great contrast with Sonic's palette specifically. He really tries to center everything around that. It looks really, really, really good. I am a big fan of this guy's art. Always have been, I, even seeing little bits and pieces, It's he's really unique. I, I think he's a super, super, super welcome addition to the comic. Yeah, definitely. And hell, even today, you see, if you were to look at anything from Sonic the Comic Online, all of those artists do their best to emulate Elson's art style. 100%. He is the sole proprietor of this comic in much the same way that certain eras of Archie were defined. Um, eventually, Elson takes complete control over the entire comic and just takes full creative control and you really get to see several issues of just his art and it's pretty fucking fantastic and even today currently he works at marvel he's mainly contributing to the thor comic since issue 607 he also contributed to marvel's wolverine savage and the dying wish prelude in amazing spider-man so i'm very happy to see he still got work yeah, agreed. Uh, Elson definitely deserves it. He's a great fucking artist. His work on Sonic the Comic is great. You'll hear tons of great compliments about his art throughout the series, and this issue is no exception. And speaking of iconic, this issue also introduces something very iconic about Sonic the Comic. One of Sonic the Comic's defining features, probably its most unique incorporation out of any of Sonic media ever. We open above the oil ocean zone, with people below dealing with a wild oil fire. They come down and meet a line by the name of Red. We've been fighting this fire for the past three days straight and have gone nowhere. If the fire spreads anymore, the whole place burns to the ground. Sonic says, well, you guys have not tried the one thing that has just arrived here. Sonic power. And leads him to go towards a pillar of fire, runs around in a tornado to create an air vacuum to remove the oxygen and thus kill the fire. The force of which though does push Red and Tails back a bit, but Red begins to tell Sonic the real issue at hand here. Bro, this place is a death trap. We have to get to the control room and disable all the traps here. And naturally you thought of me, Sonic boasts, until he gets hit in the back with an aqueous badnik and kind of eats the flamethrower shot. Sonic is forced to dodge and move around this, even sliding down an oil flume, and can't get enough traction like this at all, and ends up landing in a pool of oil. The badnik following him this whole time and boasts how he finally got Sonic up to his neck in oil and is frying tonight. But Sonic, our boy, shows no fear with his seemingly last words being, you're starting to get on my nerves as he goes ablaze. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, no, there's like no ambiguity. Uh, Sonic gets burned alive. Uh-huh. Tails and Red call out for Sonic with Red comforting Tails thinking that Sonic is done for. Until, out of the fire, Golden Aura appears in a much different light than you've seen before. What on Mobius is that, Red says, as Tails 
mentions its name, it's supersonic. I've only ever seen this happen to Sonic once before, when he absorbed too many Mobius rings. We better keep our heads down. Sonic's pretty out of it when he's like this. Welcome to Fleetway's most defining feature in their entire comic. Supersonic is not a transformation induced by the Chaos Emeralds, nor is it a transformation induced by power. It is a transformation induced by a very specific sense of heightened danger. Sonic goes off the rails. Something that I really like about this is the idea that Supersonic isn't just a force of good. It can also be a very malicious entity. Well, let's just... Let's, let's just let's just see, call, see a couple of panels before we talk a little bit more about that idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see Supersonic chasing after the Badnik, running for its life as it tries to give him the slip. But the hiding was for naught as Supersonic rips the Badnik apart, bringing the rabbit inside. Supersonic is still like that. And despite the rabbit obviously being of his complete sound mind, very happy, thank you so much for saving me, Sonic, doesn't matter because Supersonic has made the loop Hands like this, about to grasp its throat, come right fucking here, as Tails just shouts, Sonic, dude, what are you doing? Stop! And Super Sonic just looks at him like, oh, the more the fucking merrier, huh? But Tails just like, dude, Sonic, we came here to help! Don't you remember? And right then, hearing Tails' voice, Super Sonic depowers, and Sonic's head kind of clears. Yeah, I, I, I do remember now. I guess this was just all the ring energy I stored up over the years. You know, when I was in that tight spot, I just kind of tapped into that. Guess I get, get, guess I lost my cool. Uh, anyway, I'm gonna go disable those, those traps you wanted now, right? Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that. I'll be five minutes. Yeah, bye. See ya. So, uh, when we said that, uh, Supersonic was unhinged, we meant it. Uh, this guy is a blood-raving lunatic. This is a crazy depiction of this idea. Uh, the idea that Supersonic is a state where Sonic basically goes drunk with power and just full-on becomes a villain. I actually think it's perfect for a lot of reasons. Sonic's personality in this comic fits perfectly. Uh, you can already see it. He's towing the knife's edge of being hero and kind of just a cocky savior. So what happens when, when, when someone with that amount of bravado, that attitude kind of just goes mad with power? Well, comes a bit of a psychopathic maniac. And I think it works perfectly. Honestly, it really does. It's good. When we get into the next issue, there is some reading between the lines as to why exactly Supersonic in this canon is more of a bloodthirsty lunatic as well. But I also do want to comment. This is a major deviation, obviously, from the game. And we've been praising the comic thus far for being very faithful to it. But here we see the first instance of it going in a vastly different direction. And here we are still praising it. Why? Why is that the case, I wonder, genuinely? Do you want to know why? Because I think what's most important is that everything surrounding it still feels in line with the games. And this is what I like. The idea that Fleetway as a comic is using the game's lore and world and feeling to enhance and tell its own story and characters and personalities. And I think that's why I'm okay with what's going on here as opposed to what was going on in Archie. As we have said many times, when Archie wanted to, it could tell some of the best fucking storytelling Sonic had ever seen. We had talked about it nonstop with Flynn and Yardley when they were at their A game or Sega was truly not involved and they were just doing their thing. 
But before that, we had some of the worst Sonic storytelling with shit that did not fit within the franchise at all. This fits. It feels at home. It feels like they've built the base off of what was known at the time and using that in conjunction to make it feel at home with the games rather than diametrically opposed to it. Sonic is an asshole in this comic. That's okay. How do we emphasize that Sonic is an asshole and somebody who really is on that knife's edge of personality to really make him feel like at any moment he could snap? Supersonic. That's how we do it. There's a breath of fresh air here in a unique way, and I think that's why I like this so much. It's really unique and really different in a way that feels in line with what the games want. Agreed 100%. And even thinking more in universe, you can definitely think, imagine a scenario where the, you know, the freedom fighters, whatever you want to call them, see a desperate situation where they have no other means of escape, but think in the back of their heads, man, you know, maybe Supersonic could get us out of this. And they think, yeah, maybe Supersonic could, but are we ready to deal with what comes after Supersonic is done? It's the card you have that you necessarily don't want to play. Even if you have uh, no other option, you think, do we really want to do this? And that's what I love the most about this Supersonic. Do they want to deal with the repercussions? Yeah, and I feel like later, as we get deeper into the comic, maybe we'll have some interesting stuff adjacent to that. Like, maybe there is something or a scenario like that where Supersonic has to come out and there are major repercussions for it. Maybe there are scenarios where Supersonic comes out where he doesn't necessarily need to be there. Maybe there are scenarios involving Supersonic and Sonic as two separate entities, and maybe they have to fight against each other. Now, there's some interesting ideas right there. It sure is, folks, and listen to me, all right? The rules still apply. No spoilers. I don't want to hear it. Yeah, I don't want to hear it either. Anyways, let's talk about this comic. Issue number eight, Kitching and Elsing, once again, our creative team. We open, Tails is with two people, Johnny Lightfoot, a rabbit, and Porker Lewis. They're just kind of waiting for Sonic to come around. He's about to activate a gateway into the special zone, and on his mark, everyone leaps in immediately being warned about the bombs on the half pipe. This is another game accurate element, the, the special stages from Sonic 2. Okay, well, lovely. On making it to the end, he comments that the Chaos Emeralds used to be kept around here, but I keep them in a much safer place now. I guess we leave a pin in that. They come across a giant electric face in a monitor calling itself the Omnipotent Omniviewer, demanding to know who's in my presence. But seeing it's Sonic, it's like, oh, Sonic. My boy, what's going on, buddy? What's happening? <laughs> this, okay, okay. So it's funny that we went from talking about, like, appropriate elements that feel in line with what's going on here, and then we get this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I don't have an issue with the Omniviewer in theory, but he feels out of place. Just a little bit. Especially with the moment of just, like, this foreboding element that apparently lives in the special zone, but has enough familiarity with Sonic Nick to just like, if he had hands, he'd dap him up. Let's be real. I know. That's what makes it funny. <laughs> yeah. I, again, no shade to this character. Maybe they cook with him, but like, it's just very out of place compared to what we've seen so far. Yeah. Well, Sonic tells Omni, I brought my friends here because I think they need to know about my past with Robotnik and how I got my powers, you know? And Omni just goes with it and starts displaying video of way back when. Back when Sonic was a regular 
brown looking hedgehog and finds his way into the labs of Dr. Ovi Kintobor. Kintobor sees Sonic and calls him, oh, you look like a regular Aranicus Aeropus, which is just the scientific name for a European hedgehog, which Sonic is. And he's like, hey, watch it. You're talking to Sonic the Hedgehog, the fastest hedgehog on Mobius, which Kintobor notices, Sonic, you seem to take interest in my machine here, the rock, the retro orbital chaos compressor. By using the golden rings all around Mobius, I was able to transfer most of the evil on the planet into these six Chaos Emeralds. Two things to note here. All these Chaos Emeralds are colored green. I find that very interesting. I, that had to have come from Sega. Number two, a lot of evil of the world absorbed into the Chaos Emeralds. Well, I guess that explains Super Sonic. Also, side note, uh, Sonic is also reading An Idiot's Guide to Quantum Physics. Yeah, I wonder what that's about. This Sonic is definitely, like, a lot smarter, which makes him a lot more of a dick, also. Is that a British moment? There has to be... Yeah, that has to be commentary yes, yes, somehow. Yes, 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 It's absolutely a British moment. I mean, listen, man, there are so many moments in this comic that have felt like British moments. Ovikin Tovor feels like a British moment, even if it is technically canon to the games, and this is technically what happened, right? Technically, I'll have to explain a little bit more. Kentobor's mission is to rid the planet of evil forever. Unfortunately, he's missing the final seventh Chaos Emerald, and without it, the rock is unstable. But Kentobor, being the scientist that he is, can't help to test on Sonic speed in exchange for your data i'll help you run faster and in return you help me look for the last chaos emerald one day kentobor made sonic the special traction shoes that he wore sonic's power sneakers to test with using the sneakers sonic was able to break past all his previous limits but destroys kentobor's genetic gyroscope in the process but the energy caused sonic to change into his iconic blue hedgehog look because of that our boy decided to hang around and kentobor seems like an all right guy after all but one day kentobor offered sonic some food and found that he forgot to do the grocery shopping and all that's left in the fridge was a six-month-old rotten egg. And uh, as he's carrying it with him, Kintobor steps on a loose wire, breaks his fall on a computer, which ends up electrifying him and overpowering the rock, causing it to explode and all the Chaos Emeralds to scatter. Checking on Kintobor, Sonic realizes his friend had his mind corrupted and turned into Dr. Robotnik. The evil from the Chaos Emeralds and the rotten egg combined into the body of Kintobor. And that's how Sonic caught everyone up. I'm not able to defeat Robotnik every time he somehow manages to escape. I can't really say why. But it's all cut short because Omni warns Sonic and friends get away quickly. I can't help what's about to happen next and ends up sucking the four of them into his monitor. We then see Robotnik congratulating Omni for obeying his will as all in the special zone do for trapping Sonic sometime in the future and will no longer interfere with my plans. Okay, so how do we feel about the origin story? Uh, I think it's perfect. It basically follows the uh, scrapped outline of what was supposed to happen. So, I mean, I think it's right on the money. It's perfect. It's fine. To be more specific, though, the story itself is an adaption, actually, of a storybook called Stay Sonic, which is using that, like, origins Bible that you mentioned as its basis. So, yes... That canon is supposed to be this. We're effectively following the intended Western canon of Sonic that was expunged with Sonic Adventure. So I'm fascinated. Truly, I'm fascinated by this. Let's move on. Issue 9, Kitching and Elsing. Once again, our creative team. The sunny Emerald Hill Zone. Omni drops off the gang, telling them he's got to get back to the special zone before Robotnik realizes what I just did. Sonic comes, well, how come you're able to resist Robotnik's influence? He says, well, hey, look, technically Robotnik's orders were kind of vague. All he said was get rid of them, so I technically didn't disobey as he vanishes. 
as Sonic goes, Porker gets his attention to two giant badniks about to ambush them, and Sonic rushes them, dodging all the incoming laser fire. Sonic does the old reliable super spin, but just bounces off them. Okay, plan B. Let's try to get them mad at each other. Sonic goes up a cliffside, shouting, yada yada, y'all can't shoot straight. Leaps up, down, taunting them that he's giving them a straight shot at the badniks just continuing to misfire and eventually just end up shooting and destroying each other. The two animals powering the badniks come out from the rubble, surprised to see Sonic. We kind of thought you were dead. You were gone for the past six months. And Sonic, along with all of them, a little taken aback by this information, but Johnny does recall Robotnik did order them to be sent into the future so Sonic wouldn't interfere with his plans, so I guess Omni did it in a way where we could set everything right. The gang race to the nearest village to see the damage, being warned a lot of things have changed since Sonic's been away. Peering over a hillside, they can't believe what they're seeing. Robotnik has definitely taken over the Green Hill Zone, being patrolled by badniks and locals being basically enslaved. We see one of these enforcers confronting a civilian for missing a scheduled work shift, but says, look, the wife's been ill, but for avoiding the work enterprise scheme, the punishment is death. This girl says, what are you talking about? That's the punishment for everything. Robotnik is harsh, but fair. Well, not fair, but we like them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, that's pretty funny. Yeah, good uh, one. Also, fun to note that these designs are basically like SS Trooper adjacent. Oh, uh, yeah. They are basically the SWAT bots, effectively, but like, yeah, they are kind of SS Trooper adjacent. So Sonic then rolls into its chest, knocking it off balance, but ends up taking fire from all the surrounding badniks. Can't put the usual hurt on them, but he doesn't want to go all out and hurt the animal folk powering them. But the squirrel says, Sonic, no, 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 do go all out. They're not badniks. They're just regular robots. And with that information, Sonic has a clear conscience and turns them all to scrap in an instant. And once done, he talks to an egg drone that swoops toward them, assuming Robotnik is watching. You've gone too far this time, you maniac. I'm going to rid planet Mobius of you once and for all. As it turns out, Robotnik was watching. Surprised to see Sonic having escaped his trap, but it doesn't matter. I control the planet now, Sonic. It's too late. Well, that's a development, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, we've gone from Sonic and everything being fine to Eggman ruling the planet. You know, Elson's art continues to be excellent. I, I really can't overstate it. Uh, it's fantastic. I, I really love how, how his art is very 90s, but in a positive way. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of detail and a lot of great, and the colors the scheme is so rightfully poised. God, it's great. Oh no, it's fantastic. I love it. Sonic the Comic, issue 10. Kitching and Elson again, the creative team. In what appears to be Chemical Plant, we see someone by the name of Bob Beaky, covered head to toe in winter gear. Reporting for his work detail, the robots seem a little weary that Beaky is so eager to go to work since this is one of the worst assignments, but he says, um... No, no, I just, I just, I just delight in working for the glorious leader, Dr. Robotnik. The robots accept that answer. May his reign be everlasting as they hit the Nazi salute. What the fuck? Um, the, they, they really do hit the Seekhile, uh, and they, uh, you know. Something I will say is I'm okay with it, mainly because this does feel in line with, like, tyrannical dictator shit. It is a little out there for kids. But also keep in mind, I guess they really want to drive the point home that these things are like irredeemable, you know? Yeah, and again, we're dealing with a British comment here. I guess the sentiment must have been different for, you know, 
this kind of iconography. I, I guess. I, I don't know. I'm really just shooting in the dark here. Someone tell me if I'm wrong. I don't know. Yeah, same, same, same. Beaky's here, let inside, and sees robots electric whipping animals working in the factory. Beaky shouts for the tin-plated jerks to just get away from them, as he reveals himself as Sonic in disguise. Goes all out, scraps all the badniks inside, but just so happens to miss one, and ends up shooting him in the back. The badnik is just about to take another hit, but Sonic quickly reacts and moves behind. Doesn't even have time to realize what Sonic did, Tully looks down, massive hole in its chest. Another win for Sonic, and he leads the animals out through a sewer line with Mega Muck flowing through it. One of the animals says there's no way out through here, plus they kind of think it's haunted? But Sonic obviously doesn't take that stuff seriously. But a grabber badnik swoops down from the ceiling and takes one of the animals, and he does act fast to destroy it and freeze that animal too. The skunk powering it thanks Sonic for freeing him, and he was putting the badnik as punishment for not working hard enough, with Sonic just like, okay, come on, up, up, we gotta keep moving. As Sonic has leads the group out, something kind of begins to stalk them through the Mega Muck. And once through the wider sewer, Sonic takes a hit from a large flow of the stuff. And they kind of end up being cornered as well by a creature made of it. Saying that this was made specifically to take Sonic out. I was once a scientist working on the Mega Mac, and the stuff flooded my compartment. Instead of dying, my molecular structure merged with it and became what we see here. Calling himself... Megatox. This is kind of an interesting villain, although a little out there. Yeah, this is a weird one. I don't have an issue with it in theory, but uh, yeah, it's a little weird. I guess, you know, maybe in, in my mind they were like, man, kids really hate the Megamuck in, uh, in Sonic 2. They hate that pink water. Maybe they were like, can we make that a villain? Or maybe, maybe the, the crew played the games and they were like, hey, maybe we could make this like, like, like straight up. We could just make this a villain because it's really annoying. I, I Listen, from that perspective, I think it's pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, I see it. Although to me, this is definitely more like a, a Sandman adjacent kind of villain. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It's just interesting. Sonic tries the old reliable but just splashes through the liquid as a result. Megatox retaliates by dousing Sonic with liquid since it was designed specifically to kill Sonic. Let's see what happens if you breathe it in. Sonic first tries spin dashing to pull Megatox apart, and it does work in pulling him apart, but he's capable of creating multiple bodies at once, boasting that he's one with the Mega Mac. I am indestructible. Oh, more like insufferable. You asked for this, slimy. Sonic then burrows down and out the side of the mountain, moving quickly as Sonic is slowly being poisoned by the Mac and creates a whirlpool that sucks in the Mac like a drain line. Megatox should not be able to pull himself together after being sprayed out like that, Sonic thinks. But let's not stick around to find out. That's issue 10 done. Real quick and easy. I kind of hope this character kind of comes back. There, there's some interesting stuff that definitely could be pulled with this. Uh, agreed. It's pretty cool. I liked the concept a lot. Now, issue 11. Back with Mark Miller as a writer and Ed Hillier as the artist. Real quick here. Sonic found Tails being held captive on the other side of the planet. Oh, this pixel brain's always getting into trouble. Good thing I'm such a nice guy, huh? <laughs> Jesus Christ, Sonic. Sonic barrels to the base, rescuing Tails, and is very close to drowning. Robotnik then appears on the monitor to say, This was all just a setup, Sonic, just to get you away, and commences his plan to reshape the planet. Robotnik has a death laser aimed at the planet to atomize all animal life, first target being Emerald Hill Zone. And with Sonic being halfway around the world, you won't be able to get back in time. But Sonic is determined to stop regardless, but won't unless you can get there in five seconds flat. 
as he pushes the activation button. Uh, Tails is worried that they won't make it, but Sonic is already running max speed, satellite locked in place, Sonic accelerating more and more, moving at the speed of sound only a second away from impact, and just before the beam touches the ground, Sonic warns everyone to get out of the way with the animals able to react quick. I really, okay. So while we're giving this a description, I want to commend Ed Hilliard to an extent for this, because I think he did a really good job of portraying Sonic breaking the sound barrier multiple times over. There's a panel where Sonic is creating sonic booms and like sonic's outline continues to get more and more pronounced as he runs faster and faster and faster and faster it's pretty cool i'm not gonna lie i think they actually did a pretty good job with this is it as raw as archie sonic going halfway across the continent no nothing ever will be but it's pretty fucking cool and maybe fleetway sonic is a power scale <laughs> oh boy are we doing this are we doing this we have to get to the end to do the proper power scaling, I think. That boy Zoro can cut magma, huh? <laughs> I better stay in my office or I'm finished. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. When Sonic gets to a beach, he does act fast, using his speed to create a circle of heat and turns the sand around him into a reflective mirror, which he brings back to the laser beam, shielding himself with it, and the laser touches it and bounces back out into space, destroying the satellite. Uh, shout outs to the art uh, as Sonic is drawn winking with, uh, you know, his fingers in an okay. Uh, as he says, reflect on this for a while, Robotnik. Now here comes the best bit. This is a shitpost image, by the way. It's been used many times. It's very funny. Big fan of this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new reaction image for the discords, guys. <laughs> Right there is when Tails arrives, asking what's going on with all the beams in the sky. Sonic's like, nah, I was handling it, single-handedly, as usual. Like, come on, it's not fair, I'm always missing out on the action. But Sonic's looking at himself in the mirror and says, yeah, Tails, it's just because you're nowhere near as cool, brave, and handsome as I am. Tails is like, yeah, well, I'm modest. That's because you got a lot to be modest about, Pixel Brain. Wow, what an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> I will say, I do kind of like it here when it's like Sonic and Tails kind of bouncing off each other. I'll have more to say about this at the end, but I kind of like it when it's like that. Now, Sonic the Comic number 12 by Mark Miller and art by new artist Carl Flint. So he actually worked on Fleetway for most of its run and would later pivot for a career afterward as a storyboarder and illustrator for a lot of different clients. Apparently he did the storyboards for Cars 3. I, uh... I don't know what to make of that information. You guys do whatever you want with it. I will say, though, reading it, his art, to me, feels very, like, cutesy, I guess. I don't really associate Fleetway style with his. Bro, the owl that shows up, his eyes are, like, way too big. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. He's got the, like, the, the anime chibi eyes are like, bro, what happened? What are you dilating on? Chill. Be open. On the hidden zone, two animals looking up at a shooting star barreling down towards them. They don't know what to make of what they're seeing, but they see it's a person. I wonder who this is. They take him to a fortress deep within the zone, and we see it's Sonic waping up after being medically treated. Sonic says the last thing he remembers, fighting Robotnik on a new Sky Fortress, and is met by who is seemingly the leader of the hidden zone, Steve Owl. Owl with the big ass eyes with the name of Steve. <laughs> I don't know. It's just these normal ass names compared to like Sonic. Right? Sonic, Tails, Steve, Sally, Porker, Johnny. Like, 
Like, what's going on here, man? You have two video game characters and a bunch of guys. <laughs> Just a bunch of guys. So Steve Owl tells him he's in the hidden zone. This is the one place where Robotnik's rule doesn't reach. It's being protected by a cloaking device. How'd you even find us? And Sonic says, look, you're asking the wrong questions here. I don't even remember who I am. Okay, so we have an amnesia story. Okay. <laughs> It was, it was coming eventually, I guess. Meanwhile, on the Sky Fortress, they recount the failure. Sonic escaped, but Robotnik sees a positive in all this. Sonic has led us to the Hidden Zone and prepares the Badniks for conquest. The Badniks here chant, What do we want? An end to the Hidden Zone. When do we want it? At the earliest possible opportunity. That's a British the, moment, 100%. That's, that, is, that is peak British right there. Steve is asking Sonic, Do you remember your own name? But he's like, Nope. I do remember I was a pretty cool dude, though. So, hey. Up there, a rabbit run towards Steve. The Badniks found us. They're dropping from the sky. Animals scatter as the Badniks land, but Sonic doesn't even recognize the sight of what's happening, leading a Badnik to launch missiles into the fortress, leveling it. If Sonic could remember who he was, I think I could lick this lot. There's another British moment for you guys. The Badnik leading the charge, though, says he thought the great Sonic the Hedgehog would put up a better fight, and that, being his own name, is what triggers his memory. I guess he is that narcissistic. <laughs> Damn, he hurt his own memories. Like, that's it. My cock is so fat. I'm. It's so huge. I'm him. And then he's just like, oh, yeah, I'm him. I am him. Sonic trashes the Badniks, frees all the animals inside, and Steve and Mace see, oh, wow, Sonic the Hedgehog is real. I thought the stories were just a myth. And after change-upping some Badniks, he's back to his usual self, for better or worse. Steve, though, notes, because of the attack, they can't stay in the Hidden Zone anymore, but Sonic is prepared to lead them out and move them into the Emerald Hill and find friends there that can probably help last in the fight against Robotnik. And the last shot, of course, Robotnik molding once again, we're gonna scramble that spiny skunk permanently. That's the end of that story. Simple, to the point. Fine, it's okay. Yeah, I don't have much to say on this. Our next story, however, this is, this is a cool one. We we talked about this before the episode. We actually like this one a lot. Oh, yes. Sonic the Comic, issue number 13, with Mark Miller writing and Mike Hadley, new artist, doing the work. Here's the thing about Mike Hadley. I cannot find any information about this guy, I swear to God. All I can find are his credits for Sonic the Comic. This has got to be like a Romy Chacon situation. Romy, yeah, I was going to say, it's, fuck, it's fucking Romy Chacon too. This has got to be a pseudonym. I, I, I can't tell you. We open on Tails, playing around with a football, uh, translator note, soccer, and somehow comes across a monitor, which we see Sonic claiming to be trapped in, and asks Tails to push the button to let him out. Okay, yeah, I guess. He pushes the button, the monitor explodes, and releases a more, like, demonic-looking Sonic, knocking Tails out as he runs off. A short distance away, some animals are building a new base to hide from Robotnik. This Sonic boasting as he's now free to do as he pleases, Coming across these animals, they try to wave him down to help, but Sonic just barrels through them, leaving destruction in his wake. Both Johnny and Porker didn't get a good look at what happened, but they see this blue speed demon run into the forest and then set it on fire. This this fake Sonic, allegedly, is causing problems as the animals work together to try to put out the forest fire, just hoping Sonic will just come to his senses eventually. And after the fire spreads to the power plant being built, the real Sonic arrives, trips out the fake one, I heard someone was giving me a bad rep. And he punts him out into the air just as the animals arrive to confront Sonic, thinking he's the one who almost killed all of them. But Sonic's like, up, 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 no, 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 not me. I swear to God, we're dealing with an evil double of me, to the point where Sally insists that Sonic be banished from the zone. But as she says that, the fake Sonic barrels back down to attack Sonic, 
going through the group of animals, which Sonic considers this, this should be proof enough for you guys. Sally says, the apologies in the post, Sonic. Another British moment. I'm going to oh just have a counter. God. I'll have a counter yeah, going up, yeah, okay? It's, we'll... it's, it's, it's the Team Four Star Krillin counter, except it's for British moments. Thanks, Sonic says as he's punched into the air. Nearby, Tails wakes up upon hearing the explosions at the hideout and takes a nearby empty monitor, thinking he could make use of it. This fake Sonic punches Sonic through the box and explains, here, I've been living in that monitor for years. And as it turns out, this Sonic is actually an extra life made by Kentobor before he turned evil. This was supposed to be a helping hand for his favorite spiky pal. But Tails arrives, monitor in hand, ready to trap the fake Sonic. He goes, no, 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 not the box. And Tails traps him in place. And Sonic is about to give him the box and punch it all the way up out into the atmosphere. And Sally, again, apologizes for making so for mistaking Sonic for that ugly brute. But Sonic's like, hey, I thought he was pretty handsome. And ends with Tails rolling his eyes. And that's the end of that story. But folks, now I'm fascinated here. Because now they've turned a game concept into something much more original. Akin to Super Sonic now, but you have an extra life gaining sentience and wants revenge for being given a singular purpose and never being able to do that purpose and just left forgotten fascinating folks i am fascinated yeah this is a really cool idea and it's executed relatively well makes me wonder if we're ever gonna see this character come back yeah it's very well possible i would kind of be down with it i don't know <laughs> to be perfectly honest i don't know where the fuck the story's going it's mostly just vignettes right now but yeah no this is a really really cool idea it was executed really well yeah i just liked it a lot it was cool now let's move on to issue number 14, Nigel Kitching writing. And we got another new artist by the name of Brian Williamson. He's contributed to other Fleetway series such as 2000 AD and The Real Ghostbusters and is best known for his work on Doctor Who magazine where he still works today. Huh, interesting. I kind of have a personal joke of if you work in the creative industry, like writing, art, doesn't matter. You've touched Doctor Who in some shape or capacity. So it still stands as far as I'm concerned. We open on the Metropolis Zone, Robotnik's home base. We see Sonic in his Bob Beaker design. Tails has him with him just wearing a trench coat. Sonic says he's in disguise like this because I'm world famous. As long as we hide your two tails, you should be fine though. They're here because Sonic is a finalist for Hero of the Year that's being hosted here. And Tails is like, dude, what are we doing here? This is obviously a trap. But Sonic says, yeah, I'm not... Look, it's a trap, but I'm not going to turn away from my people. Come on, man. And once they get inside and get seated, the host, this wily coyote-looking ass, is here, takes the stage, Sonic the Hedgehog, Hero of the Year. But Sonic the Hedgehog couldn't be here, obviously. However... Sonic surprises everyone, unmasking himself. I'm here to collect my award right here, right now, with attendees shocked to see him. He's handed a statue and wants the mic to make a speech, and he declares that while my band of freedom fighters may be small, we will grow in numbers and the days of Robotnik's reign will come to an end. That's where a small dome comes from above. As Sonic was wondering where that trap was going to come from, I was getting a little bored. And says, well, everyone... As an extra treat, you will witness the demise of Sonic the Hedgehog. As Sonic sees what's being poured into the container, more of that Mega Mac. Sonic struggles, running around in a loop, and the force built up within the dome pressurizes it and causing the glass to burst. Kind of like shaking a bottle of cola, Sonic says. Sonic and Tails try to dip, want to make it back to the Emerald Hill, but they're being chased by six large badniks, this wily coyote guy controlling one of them. But since they're on their home turf, 
Sonic takes the fight head-on, breaks one on the spot, leads another into a figure-eight loop and disorientating it, and breaking it down. Sonic then chains attacks two more badniks, Tails defeats one by himself, Host Guy just cuts his losses, I'm out of here, goodbye, good riddance. Animals powering the badniks, thanks Sonic for freeing them, and everyone just kind of calls it a day. Eh, that was a fun story, I guess. I, I, look, some of the art, like this panel in particular, like, what's going on here, man? <laughs> Tails, me, me after reading Archie Sonic. <laughs> Damn, still catching strays even across the pond. <laughs> hey, man, hey, man, sometimes an image is just so good it represents everything you kind of want to feel. Anyways, we have one final comic to get through today. Yes. Sonic the Hedgehog, issue number... 15. Mike Miller writing and Mike Hadley as our artist. We open on the Scrap Brain Zone, a giant green robot by the name of Teradroid, demanding the robots working under him to work faster for the sake of Dr. Robotnik. I want this green eater working in one hour or you will face my wrath. Meanwhile, at the Emerald Hill Rebel hideout, Tails and Johnny find Sonic just reading a comic book. It seems like he's featuring himself, and I like to think he's reading a shitty Archie Sonic book and having a lot of interesting thoughts about it. Me reading Sonic the Hedgehog issue, checks notes, 95 or some random, I don't know what issue. Look, it's the issue with Locke uh, and the Felidae where Locke is like, yeah, the, the racism and uh, colonialism we did was epic, guys. Oh no. Tails points to the hillsides, literally melting away, grass melting as well, as a flicky flies nearby, and Sonic's like, Ayo, bird brain, what's happening here? It says there's some robot called TerraDroid building a machine to bleed the planet dry. And Sonic revs away, over my dead body. But Tails shouts, no, Sonic, that might be its plan. Sonic arrives to Scrap Brain, freeing animals from the Badnik shells, and immediately gets them up. Need all the help we can get here. The animals realize what they were doing and ask Sonic, what can we do to help? But Terra shows up threatening to turn them all into his fur coat. The animals gang together and just start like kicking Terra's legs to distract it while Sonic looks for the green eater. And he seems to find it, runs around to turn a tornado in the flume and just kind of lets it rip itself apart, taken out pretty cleanly. And Sonic revels in his victory as Terra is about to kill the animals around him. But Sonic calls to him, Robotnik would be proud of you, Terra droid. Why's that? Because you're almost as big a scumbag as he is. He revs up, bonks Terra in the chest, just bouncing off of him. And Terra mocks him for not even grazing him, but Sonic's like, well, sure about that? How far are you going to get without your battery, buddy? And he notices his battery is out of its socket in Sonic's hand, and he just keels over. Unfortunately, though, the Green Eater tore through all the animals' homes here, and that's something Sonic didn't really think about, but I've got a bit of an unorthodox solution here, boys. Back at the Emerald Hill, we see Sonic has taken Terra's shell, gutted it, and turned it into an apartment complex for all the animals he rescued, which amazes Tails, but Sonic says, like, hey, that's why I'm here, buddy. That's the end of issue 15. That's end of all the issues we've got today. Okay, taking the shell of a badnik is kind of metal. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. These were not super in-depth, but they are a good offering of the vibe. This was solid. It wasn't amazing, but for what it's worth, it was okay. I enjoyed myself. I am interested to see where the plot goes because we're kind of in that sort of Archie Sonic 1 through like 25-ish where the plot isn't really existing. It's just sort of a bunch of random things happening. Yeah, they're all, you know, they're all vignettes, some of which have a little bit of non sequitur. Yeah, there were interesting stuff like the, like Super Sonic. That was cool. And the evil, yeah. uh, 
evil extra life coming to coming to life. That's cool stuff. That's really cool. I hope the comic carries that kind of energy moving forward. And before we end stuff off, I do want to like say I I know I didn't really allude to it as much, but I do think it's important for me to comment. I don't really like the dynamic that Kitching writes with Sonic and Tails. I like it a lot more like how Mark Miller writes it, where it's Sonic and Tails, as I believe the British would call it, they have a bit of banter going on between each other. A little bit of bants. They're having a little bit of bants. They're having a little bit of bants. A little yeah. bit of back and forth. Yeah. No, no, no. At a glance, yeah. It's very, like, non-Sonic, but I also think that this is an era where the character is in sort of that limbo. Right. Yeah. So like they're kind of in the moment of like, well, what is cool? Right. What is cool? And I mean, I I don't know. Is it cool in the UK to be a maybe it is cool to be an asshole in the UK at this time? Who knows? That being said, though, I'm not going to like be like stuck on it too much, especially with kitching in particular. I'm just like I said, we're peeling the curtain back. We are observing what is in front of us. I won't be too stuck on it. I will say though, if it does move forward, I really do prefer Sonic and Tails riffing off each other instead of like Sonic looking at Tails and going, dumbass, and calling it a day. You know, that that's just me though. We're rolling with it. We are rolling with it. We will see in issues to come. Which I did not read ahead, but I did, you know, look ahead. I have my reading guide out here in front of me. So as we move on to the next stories, we do have some interesting stuff to look at. We're going to be reading Sonic the Comic issues 16 to 23. 16 to 21 actually have a Sonic story and I believe a Tales story at the end. We have that. And additionally, much like how Archie Sonic had like the super specials, Fleetway Sonic had a poster mag, which was more like pinup stuff, but every so often they did include a story. So we're throwing those in as well. And poster mag number three is the first one with such story. So we'll be looking that up in episode two. Interesting. Well, I hope everyone is excited to watch us continue Sonic the Comic. I'm interested to see where the comic goes. We have plenty more British moments ahead of us. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your day. But before we go, patrons. Patrons, we actually do have a new patron that joined us back in December. Frogs70,000 joining us at $5 a month. Thanks so much. I'm sorry I couldn't give you a proper shout out. When I noticed that you joined, we did the uh, the Sonic Underground react, and I was so drunk I forgot to mention you. I apologize, but I'm happy you're here. The pain of us watching that shit uh, broke us, so you know. Yeah. Speaking of which, that's what we're doing on our Patreon behind the paywall. For $2 a month, you get all of our episodes and content early and the bonus show where we've been reacting to the Sonic cartoons. Sonic Underground is pain. My God, it is pain. But this month is going to be very special because we're going to be looking at the funny haha Knuckles episodes. I don't know how drunk I'm going to need to be for that, but we will find out and you will find out for $2 a month. For $5 a month, you get all that plus our pre-show. They're pretty extensive. We talk about just sort of what's going on in our lives, gaming news, Sonic news, all that stuff. We had a very fun pre-show this time around. This stuff was extra length since it is the first episode. But still, join us, check us out. $15 a month, all that previous, and a video version of the podcast. And all of our tiers do have a free seven-day trial if you just want to get a look behind the paywall for whatever you're interested in. Stick around. Thanks for watching. It's patreon.com slash sonicspeed. And if this is your first time watching us on YouTube, subscribe, hit the like button, comment your thoughts. We'll see you next time for more Fleetway Sonic British moments. See you.